Welcome to the Moms in Prayer podcast, a place where we put our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world today so we can better pray for and equip the next generation. Our focus will always be revival and spiritual awakening in our children, our schools, and our motherhood. We're so glad you're here with us. Let's get started. Hey friends, I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode and meet today's guest. If you're new to Moms in Prayer, and I sure hope some of you are, you may not know that our international headquarters is in Poway, California, right outside of San Diego. I'm blessed to be one of the few headquarters staff that offices off-site and out-of-state from Western Michigan. I often joke that California is a different country than my home state, and in many ways, it is. This week reminded me that our podcast listeners are from everywhere. Literally, this week a listener left the following review for us. This is the meat I've been praying for. I don't have many moms in my circle that can pour wisdom into me right now, but this podcast has answered so many prayers. The discussions are full of sound wisdom, practical application, and so much encouragement. Thank you for sharing and making this podcast available. It will carry generational fruit. Listening from Belgium. I nearly wept when I read that message because that's why we're doing what we're doing. Mothering's hard and it doesn't matter where you're from. We need hope, wisdom, and encouragement to keep doing the thing for Jesus. Friends, please keep sharing these podcasts with your friends, with your husbands, you know you want to, and with women who may not know Jesus at all. Today's guests would be especially thrilled with the last one. Nick Hall has been called the next Billy Graham. I'm sure he hates that pressure, and I'm also certain he wants to lead people to Christ and doesn't care if it's one at a time. However, God has given Nick quite a platform. Nick leads the Pulse movement in what many consider one of the greatest student-led movements in history. What you may not know is that Nick is a Moms in Prayer kid, and today Nick and I talk about being prayed for, the faith of children, and what he is seeing God do among the youth of our nation. Listen close for how early Nick recognized a passion for evangelism in himself. You are going to love this conversation. Nick Hall, welcome to Moms in Prayer podcast. Hey, glad to be here, Lee. I'm excited and I love Moms in Prayer. Well, we love you too. And I can't wait for our audience to get to know you and about your ministry and the passion that God's given you. But you are a Moms in Prayer kid. Yeah, that's right. My mom has been a part of a Moms in Prayer group for 30 plus years. And so I'm a definitely a product of a praying mom. Well, we love that for all of us. And I love that for the next generation, especially. Can you tell us a little bit about you and about your family? Yeah, well, I am, you know, in my 30s, been married uh, 11 years. My wife and I have two kids now of our own. In fact, we just walked our little guy into kindergarten this morning. So just kind of getting rolling here in the, the whole school world there. But um, but yeah, my wife and I, we met in college and uh, she's a physician assistant, works casually now and raises our kids. And then I lead up a ministry organization called Pulse that started through uh, English paper I wrote as a college kid. And so started as a bunch of university students really praying, praying for revival among our friends, praying that people would know Jesus 
it just kind of took off. And now we're all over the U.S. and around the world, but mostly events in the U.S. We have about a million young people coming out every year, just hearing the gospel and hundreds of thousands responding to Jesus. That's a little bit of my life. Um, lead that. We have about 40 people that are on staff and then several thousand interns, volunteers, you know, just people all over the country and overseas that are working together. Yeah. And then, as you said, grew up in a Christian home, but my parents actually came, um, I would, I think they would say kind of alive in their faith when they were new parents and had some people disciple them. And then my mom got into Moms in Prayer group, which was Moms in Touch at the time. So I've really been anchored in that way of just having a mom and dad, but especially mom really praying us through. I got two siblings, older sister, younger brother. And so we're all super thankful for God's work in our lives and just the power of prayer. Yep. I am so grateful for what God's done too, but you really do have a heart for evangelism. Can you tell us how that began to grow or the first time you recognized that that was something God was stirring in your heart and what that looked like? Yeah, you know, I was a little kid when I first started to uh, share my faith. So my mom actually, uh, you know, she would say that she's directly led three people to Christ. And that would be, you know, my sister, my little brother and myself. And and so I just remember asking mom questions and uh, kneeling by her bedside and surrendering my life to Jesus as just a little boy. And then really, like right away, I just started telling everybody I knew about Jesus. I wanted friends to know. I wanted family members to know. Uh, you know, even my heroes, I used to be a big fan of Michael Jordan, and I used to write him letters trying to lead him to Christ, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was I, was, I was looking for autographs and his salvation. And so Awesome. Um, yeah, so that was just a big part of my story. I mean, the Bible, I didn't know it at the time, but the Bible talks about how God gives some to be evangelists. And now I would just understand that being who I am and, and my calling of just really have a passion to see people know God, have a relationship with Jesus. If it's his good news, if this is life and death, and never made sense to me how everybody isn't sharing it all the time. I kind of would joke with people that I had to go to church to learn not to share my faith. It's a joke, obviously. But, you know, I mean, a lot of times as believers, we keep our faith to ourselves. And uh, a lot of times the world tells us it's not uh, appropriate or popular or politically correct or whatever you want to say. And yet gospel means good news, literally living water that we get to share with those that are starving of thirst. And so, yeah, that's really so much of my life. I surrendered to God's call when I was 18. I was a freshman in college. And then I started traveling around the world, gave up kind of basketball and dreams of business success. Nothing wrong with either of those things, but it really was God's call for me to just full-time try to lead, you know, my generation to Christ. And so I've been doing that now for the last 12, 13 years, and it's just grown every year, more opportunities, young people we get to train up. But for me, it really really is about, man, just that simple relationship we have with Jesus and how that changes everything. Can you think of some people that were instrumental when you first started recognizing, you know what, I think I am an evangelist. I have this special burden to share Christ. Is there a way that your parents supported you or things that we could do to come alongside of our kids who want to share faith when maybe we're a little more timid? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think it's interesting when Jesus says, have faith like a child. I do think a lot of the times young people are just more wild in general. You know, there's not constraints on things and you can't 
tell a young person that's just the way we do it. Kind of like everything is why, 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 you know? And so I think when young people uh, hear about Jesus, hear the gospel, see the disciples, I think there really is a hunger. You know, I want to see that type of stuff. You know, I want to see people know Jesus. I want to see miracles. How come there's still not that kind of excitement? And I think that should challenge every parent to say, man, am I modeling faith in my house? But for me, yeah, certainly I had parents that were praying for me. I, I definitely will say, I think I made them a little afraid. You know, I grew up in a home where, you know, mom was worried us going around the block. She was the, if you looked up protective parent, it'd be Kathy Hall would be in the encyclopedia there. You know, <laughs> yep. she was, and, and a lot of times I think that's the flip side of being a prayer warrior, right? Is maybe there can be some fear or anxiety. And I think you can choose to lean into that or you can choose to lean into prayer and say, God, you're our hope, you're our refuge, you're our fortress. And my mom has really leaned into prayer and made that really a lifestyle for her. And, and I would just say for our family. But yeah, I mean, my parents were always encouraging, always affirming. You know, I would try to bring friends over that, that they knew I was trying to see, you know, Jesus. And they were always supportive. And then when I say my plans, you know, whether they derailed, whether it was just saying yes to God, I guess it would depend on the parents. You know, I think when your kid goes from a pathway to a stable profession to, hey, I'm going to raise support for the rest of my life. Well, I think that could be a little troubling for a lot of folks. But yeah, I mean, my parents have always been just fully supportive and, and wanting to see God move. I also had some just different adults in my life, men and women, who would both pray for me and encourage me, people who would pull me aside and want to just invest in my life, encouragement-wise, to take me out to breakfast, call me up, tell me they're praying with us. I had one, actually, Moms in Prayer leader, regional leader named Cindy Statham, and she called me about one or two years into launching Pulse and just said, Nick, I've been praying for you and really feel like I'm supposed to go and help raise money for you. And, <laughs> and that was the first time anybody has ever called me. And the last time nobody's ever said that to me on the phone. So that was an incredible uh, phone call. But then she went and, you know, she was a prayer warrior friend, her partner. And then she came and worked with us and rallied people to pray and to support. She just said, man, this is the answer to the prayers that I've been praying for 15 years to my kids that God would raise up a youth movement that young people could see that Christianity isn't boring or lame or isn't just their mom's thing or, you know, whatever. I think we all have these views of our parents growing up. And I always encourage parents, right? Like, hang in there. You're going to get cooler every year, you know, after high school. But a lot of families go through that awkward time of young people want to hear it from everybody else, but at home. So I think that's where prayers are so important. And obviously the community of the church yep. and just other people coming around us matters so much. Well, I'm definitely in that transition time. I have a high schooler, two middle schoolers, and an elementary schooler. And I think most all of us experience a time when we're not cool. And that's when community is so important. Who are some of the people that have invested in you, Nick, and what role did they play? Yeah, you know, there's so many people. Um, I had a couple of youth pastors that were super instrumental in my life in high school. And then I had um, just some adults that really took an interest. When I first started running after this, there was a pastor, kind of a semi-retired pastor that basically called me and just said he really has been praying for me and felt like God was leading him to in some ways just try to invest in my life more intentionally as a mentor, if I'd be interested. And well, that just really changed my life. I mean, this guy, Pastor Mike is his name, and uh, he actually passed away this year. And it was super difficult to go through because it was the first guy. And I think as guys, it's hard to get into like the deeper things of life and emotions and feelings and fears. And Mike was just somebody who really 
you know, he'd been there before. He was further down the road than I was. He would pray for me. He would encourage me. He would call me. He was close enough that I trusted him, but far enough away that it wasn't, you know, going to rattle everything if I was just vulnerable. I think just there's there's those voices that God brings into your life. And I think as young people, especially, we're so alone and you just feel like you're trying to figure all this stuff out. And so for me, I think just having a mic and then others that have come along the journey, I wouldn't be where I am today without that investment from other people into your life and into the ministry that God's given you. How about Pulse? Pulse began and tell us really what you do, Nick. What what is Pulse all about? Yeah, so Pulse started again. I was a I was a junior in college at uh, North Dakota State University, which I know I'm sure a lot of listeners that's probably a vacation spot, North Dakota. So hopefully people <laughs> won't be too distracted. There's a state university in North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I was called and then I just started to say, yeah. And I think that's the thing about when God tells a 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, it's just, man, it's the first time in your life when you're just free. You know, you're out of high school, you're now either working or in college. Maybe you have some loans but they're not due for a few years. There's just a different level of freedom that happens in that that short window there that I think is really a right place for God to move. So I heard God's call. I said yes to it. I started to get these opportunities to travel with different ministries who really, you know, I was I was just looking for who's doing it, who's out there preaching the gospel and leading people. And so I traveled with Billy Graham and their organization. I traveled with Luis Palau. I got around people like Robbie Zacharias and Josh McDowell and, and a number of others. And then when I was uh, a junior in college, I uh, wrote this paper in my English class. And it was really a dream of seeing unity among different uh, believers and ministries. But the, the goal was really to saturate the campus in prayer and then to saturate the campus in outreach. And so we just kind of said, what would it look like to have more prayer than has ever happened before? And what would it look like if the biggest gatherings of the year were outreach events for our friends to know about Jesus? And so essentially we're just like, man, we're going to pray more than has ever been prayer has happened before. And then we're going to put feet to those prayers and we're going to try to take the campus and make it difficult. You know, we'd say we want to make it difficult for our friends to go anywhere except for heaven. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, we just stepped out and God was moving. You know, we didn't know what we were doing, but we knew some people who had some phone numbers we could call and ask for advice, but God really breathed on those efforts. Uh, We had 20 prayer groups launched on our campus, actually 22. And we started even a 24-7 prayer room for three months. We were just praying around the clock for revival and we had 600 students trained to share their faith you know because again if you're praying and you're doing unity you got to work together and then you want to have equipping you know because it's like hey we're trying to reach out how do we do this how do you share your faith how do you share your story you know how do you be intentional and so that became a part of what we were doing and then the outreach of planning different events and initiatives to communicate christ whether smaller gatherings or whether in the arena we were at and uh, we did it all and then moved into an intentional season of follow-up and launched really small groups in every dorm on the three major campuses in our city. We had a small group launch on every dorm and then in apartments throughout the different kind of geographical areas. Like we just wanted to make sure everybody had a chance to grow and connect. And yeah, that really took off. I mean, right to 8,000 students come out and 1,200 kids respond to the gospel and God was just moving in ways that none of us had ever seen before. And basically it resulted in students all over America messaging us 
and asking for help. Hey, we heard this happen there. Can it happen here? Will you come help us? And, uh, you know, at this time, we didn't have an organization. Like I was just a student with a passion. Had ju- I just graduated with a business degree. And, uh, we started raising support and said, okay, if this is supposed to go, it'll go. If it's not, it won't. And now it's been 12 years since that launched. And uh, yeah, basically, we're still doing that today. I mean, citywide, region-wide campaigns, school-focused, university-focused, whatever, but really next generation. But it starts with prayer and unity, and it moves towards the season of training, and then a season of big outreach, and then follow-up. So the best example recently was we just had a huge campaign in Minneapolis-St. Paul, where we moved. Now we're office here. But we had 752 churches work together, which that in and of itself is a miracle. Wow. You know, yep. getting churches prioritize each other and just the broader work of God. And, and we saturated the region in prayer. We had schools prayed for and prayer walks and all kinds of things. We do a, a prayer card called Keep Five, where we encourage people to pray for five friends who need Jesus and tens of thousands of you know people being prayed for. And then we trained up. Uh, I think we had like 10,000 people go through training events. And then we actually filled the stadium here where the Super Bowl was. We booked the stadium and had about 50,000 young people come out and over 9,000 gave their lives to Christ. And so, yeah, it's just this incredible ride. There's a lot of smaller expressions. Obviously, that's really big, but God's just moving. And we just feel like God wants this generation. He's not intimidated. He's not giving up on us, our prayers. He's hearing the prayers. So every mom listening or parent listening or whoever is listening, you know, it's like God is moving. Like we can't give up. We used to recite that verse to each other when we were in college of, you know, let us not grow weary and doing good for at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And, and I just think now is the time these kids need Jesus and, and we just see that they're hungry. The news isn't telling us the whole truth about what God's doing right now. And I wondered if you could tell me what you see God doing among the young people right now. Yeah, absolutely. I love that question. Uh, it is so awesome to see how God is stirring and moving. We really believe, I think our whole team and really the groups we partner with, we really believe this is a revival generation. I don't use those words lightly. If you study history and even what it looks like, what the atmosphere is like, what the different circumstances that work together during times of revival, you see kind of certain characteristics. You see movements of prayer, you see movements of unity, and then you see just some radical kind of mission in there. And these are all things that we're just seeing taking place really all over the country right now and around the world. But there is just a young generation that is so hungry for God. I mean, we're talking about movements of prayer, movements of fasting, young people regularly calling for fast, really giving radical amounts of their resources to see friends or family members know Jesus. You know, a lot of people will talk about how cause-driven this generation is. You know, you think of all the efforts that they want to be a part of. I mean, they want to get their hands dirty. They want to get their feet wet. The things they're interested in aren't just lip service or even just putting money in an offering plate. Like, they want to have their lives in that offering plate. Like, they want to say, God, I want to go. And so we do just see, man, thousands of people saying yes to Jesus thousands of people saying yes to give their lives for him and to live intentionally. We talk about it as being an influence for the gospel and really just this idea of being called and sent into all different areas. This isn't just hey, um, some people are called to, uh, you know, be a professional minister, and then the rest of us are called to pay for those people. This is much more of all of us are called, all of us are being sent out, whether that vocation is into 
the medical field, whether it's in the ed- education, the arts, and the politics. We just see a generation that's on fire and going out. But, you know, you are right. In the news and just the things that we hear about, we often hear about all the negatives. We very rarely hear or see the examples of the positives of how God is rescuing a generation. And that, that is really what we're seeing, though. I mean, we see it happening. I think if people are willing to get outside of their bubble, outside of their church or ministry or organization, I think they'll see it too. I mean, God is doing some amazing things that really nobody can take credit for. It's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, and uh, God is on the move. What challenge would you issue to parents that are listening right now? How can we support the next generation? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a matter of prioritizing those that are coming behind you. And I think that takes varying shapes. I mean, obviously, as a parent, it means praying for, it means trying to be an advocate, it means trying to be a learner. There are so many things that these kids are up against. And I think the more you can be informed as a parent or adult, different things that are going on. I read a book recently on, I think it's just called Meet Generation Z. You know, just any of these resources that are out there. I have another book a buddy of mine just wrote called Welcome to Adulting. Mm. Any of these books that that kind of start to give a glimpse or just ideas. I know Barna is releasing some new research soon uh, from David Kinnaman and others about Generation Z. I just think any way that we can, as those that are above these young people, learn about them, uh, be interested in what they're interested in, be a student of culture, be a student of your of your student, take an interest in their life, and really just take that to prayer, coming before the Lord, fasting, and, and getting desperate before Him on behalf of those that are coming after you. I also would just say in your life and in your work to prioritize them, looking for opportunities to invest in others, looking for opportunities to make time for coffee for a young leader or a person that you know or care about. And I think all of us can do this. You don't have to be some flashy, super impressive person. I think young people are just looking for somebody who believes in them and is willing to champion them, willing to invest in things that matter. But I really just think this is going to take all of us prioritizing the next generation and driving forward those things, whether it's at our church, being a voice to say, man, how do we invest more in our young people? How do we budget more finances? How do we get more volunteers? How do we have more programs for colleges in the area? Like being an advocate for those campus ministry leaders that are near you. And I guarantee no matter where you live. There's a campus nearby you where there's some ministry workers that are really underserved and underfunded. And man, they need volunteers. They need help. And uh, man, you could be a huge advocate and help there. And I just think get involved. There are massive needs. Obviously, this Together campaign we're doing is a great way to plug in. Love the partnership with Moms in Prayer. as yes. We're uh, rallying people across the country and uh, really just believing that, man, if this is a revival generation, which I believe it is, then it's time to equip and rally these young people and their leaders, but really to unleash and mobilize these leaders that we need to take us forward into the future. We have your back in prayer. We're so excited about what God is doing through you, Nick, and through Pulse. And I kind of have a fun question for you here at the end. I saw your Instagram pictures this morning. You just sent your son to kindergarten. I did. I did. Yeah, he just took off for first day of school today. And so he is so Cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a little little dude and uh, loves the Lord. And we're yeah. I mean, it, that's where it, it all obviously the rubber meets the road is with our own kids, right? Of just praying that man, we would leave things better off than we found them. Um, you know, as a culture, as a nation. Well, that's where my question is: is how are you praying for your two kids right now? 
What are you praying? For me, it, it has a lot to do with praying that they would know God, praying, you know, in our marriage, you know, my wife and I, like we spend a lot of time praying that our kids would see Jesus fleshed out in the way that we live and the decisions that we make and the things we do and don't do. Like I want them to have a vision that God matters to every part of your life and for them to see that at home and for them to be with us in prayer. And so, you know, we're praying for their hearts, that they would love God. We're praying for their friends, so that they would have good and godly friends, and then also that they would be a godly influence on others. Even as young kids, any parent knows that your kid can challenge you massively. And so, I mean, I believe God wants to use them at the youngest of age. And sometimes I think we can be so protective of our kids. And sometimes I think our being protective can be us being a good leader and, and shepherd of their hearts. But then sometimes I think we can actually protect them in adverse ways that maybe can keep them from how God wants to use their lives. So many of their friends or people at the playground or school that are impressionable and somebody who loves Jesus. And I think from the youngest of ages, just praying that my kids would catch a vision for how God can use their lives and that they can make a difference. And, and I always pray with my son, especially like just that he would be friends to those that don't have friends, that he would really uh, have a heart for those that are hurting and the outcasts. And I think that's where, where Jesus loves to move is when we have that vision for our lives. And so, yeah, that's a few things. Man, I love being a dad and so excited about what God's doing in my kids' life. And, and obviously just this generation, we just want to see them uh, catch a vision for God and, and be on fire for Him. Well, you'll just love this, but I have always believed that my kids could be change agents in their classroom. And so we put them in public school. And the first year that my daughter was there, she had a teacher that we couldn't get a gauge on whether she knew the Lord or not. And so we pray every day for our kids' teachers' salvation. And my daughter apparently walked up to her teacher and said, do you know Jesus? And her teacher said, not personally. And my daughter said, well, let's talk about that. And, you know, she was six years old at the time. And so I just see that same heart that you were talking about within you growing inside of one of my kids. And I just praise God for and just encourage us all that there is no too young of age to start equipping our kids to share faith. Yeah, well, and honestly, it's like when they're young, I think they're fearless. They're willing to step out. And so I just think it's like, man, to know that God can use them, to know that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to them and lead them and there's some real possibilities there. My son even recently was having a conversation with his little sister about Jesus and asking her if she knew Jesus. And, you know, she's just two and he's six. And so <laughs> she was being a little bit of a defiant, you know, just because brother was asking, he said, you know, Ruby, do you love Jesus? And she said, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just trying to get under his skin. And he was all shocked. And he said, Ruby, you need to know Jesus. You know, Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you. And uh, Ruby, you can know, Je you can pray to Jesus right now. Do you want to pray? And uh, and she said, okay. And so right there, he, you know, he prayed with her. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died. And help me to follow you. That's and, awesome. Uh, and then was, you know, yeah. And then Ruby, do you love Jesus now? Yes. You know, so I don't know. I think he, I think he thinks he got his first convert. So we'll see. Anyway, I, I do, I do just think, man, our prayers matter. And I just really encourage every parent and especially moms out there, man, don't give up. Keep praying. 
I would love it if you would pray for me and pray for our team. You know, the battle is real and the devil is out to steal, kill and destroy and we need each other. And so I just think that the harvest is, is, is plentiful and that Jesus told us to pray that God would send out workers. And so we're out there praying for the workers and we're out there putting feet to those prayers saying, God, send me. And so let's keep going. Well, Nick, it's been such a gift to have you with us. And we are so grateful to see what God is doing through you and through Pulse. And we do pray for you. I recently was on a receiving end of an email about you asking for strategic prayer. And so instead of having you pray us out today, would you mind if I pray for you? and for Pulse. Oh, I would love it. Well, Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you as our Savior and Lord. And I offer you, my friend Nick, today and the Pulse movement, the events that are on the calendar, and ask for your hedge of protection to be over them and for your spirit to go forth in power. And Father, when Nick opens his mouth, would it be with your words that he would bring you honor and glory and that he would proclaim Christ crucified? Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in and through Nick in Pulse Movement. Father, would you move and bring about revival and spiritual awakening among the next generation? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Lee. It's so good to have you, and we will keep praying. Thanks, Nick. I told you Nick was cool. I've reflected over and over this week about the idea that spiritual gifts are tucked into every one of our kids when they ask Jesus to be their savior. And it has me wondering what my kids' gifts are. If you're anywhere near one of Nick's events, you have got to get there with your teen. Nick will be speaking at the Unshaken Minnesota event to moms October 5th and 6th in Prairie Eden, Minnesota in the greater Minneapolis area. To purchase tickets and to learn more, visit the Moms in Prayer website at momsandprayer.org. Nick will also be at the Together event, and I would kill to get there, at the Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas, October 20th through 21st. Moms in Prayer will be hosting a special pre-conference event, so check the Moms in Prayer website for those details as well. I don't want to be a broken record, but if you enjoyed today's episode, would you take a minute and leave us a review? It only takes a minute, but it helps us be discovered by other moms around the world looking for hope. It really does. Nick said his mom has directly led three people to Christ, his sister, his brother, and him. You parenting your kids and leading them to Christ matters. Moms make the difference. Moms just like you. Keep doing the thing, friends. See you next week.